0: Competitive or anything, but I did notice I got more cheers than he did, just saying, just stood out, love the pulpit that 's cool, okay, like just, um, just so that i don 't have to necessarily go over any old ground. who was here this morning? okay, so only a handful that weren't that 's good okay, so let me do a five a five lesson, whatever thirty second summary, so this morning we, we looked at a, at a verse. In Mark chapter 1, where Jesus said, come follow me. And we made that to be the most important thing that you need to do with your life. First and foremost, thank you, you need to come follow me, right? Then we end and then there was a lot of waffle in the middle that's not really important. And then at the end, we ended in John chapter 6 where we had two groups of people. One of them decided to follow Jesus and stay the course. One decided not to. And we made the emphasis on the fact that the group that chose not to, you never heard of them again. It's like they just disappeared off the face of the planet. They didn't. They probably just went home to mum and dad and did normal life. But you never hear... Of them again in the Bible. But the group that followed Jesus went on into the book of Acts and got empowered with the Holy Spirit, uh, Peter and, and Paul, and you know, shadows were so filled with power that just a shadow touching sound. So you had one group that completely missed out, one group that completely scored in every possible way, but both groups had the opportunity, and it was all determined by did they want to follow Jesus right? That's a summary. So you didn't need to come and sit through the whole thing this morning. You could have waited and got like a, a, a 60 second verse this morning, tonight, and, and it's all good. But the group, so now we're going to start for, for tonight. And the group that followed Jesus, we know from, from hindsight and history from our Bibles, we know at least some of the incredible things that they went on to do and how God moved through them in just phenomenal, freaky ways. We know that now. But when, in John chapter 6, when they made that decision and, and what they'd said, Jesus had actually turned to them and he said, well, are you going to leave as well, right? And, and one of them had said to Jesus, well, hey, listen, um, you actually have the words of life. Where else can we go, Right. So when they made that decision, right there and then, at that point in time, they had no way of knowing what was about to happen. They couldn't have. It's impossible. You can't predict the future. You have an idea what might happen tomorrow for you. But if, but if I was going to ask you, you know, on the, on the 23rd of December this year, what's going to be happening? You wouldn't know. I mean, it's a day, and it's just before Christmas and all that sort of hoo-ha and rubbish, but you actually can't d- definitively tell me what's going to be happening on the 23rd of December. You, let alone if we go six months from now, you can't tell me what's going to be. You could guess look up your calendar to see what that day is. You could make some estimates. But you've got no idea of knowing. So here's the deal. You commit to following Jesus. You actually have no way of knowing where that's going to lead you. You have an idea because you, you're attached to a youth group, you're attached to a church, hopefully you have Bibles that hopefully you read because otherwise they just collect dust. And you know, So you, you can get an, an idea, but you really don't know. I want to look, if who's got a Bible tonight? Okay if, you, okay, if you've got one, pull it out and pretend to read it. The way it looks looks very spiritual. And if, you, if you've got one, open to John chapter 4. We're just going to spend a, a short amount of time in John chapter 4, and then we're going to go bounce into a, a real-life example that hopefully is is encouraging. Get my old people's glasses out. So we're not going to read... John chapter 4 because we we are actually going to sort of pull together a summary out of the whole chapter so you've got your bibles out now you you've looked spiritual enough so you can actually put them away if you want so John chapter 4 what's happening no but you you can keep them open don't they just say whatever I say you do that's great so stand up twirl around no (laughs) sorry no, that's true, I'm not. <laughs> so a summary of what's happening in John chapter 4. So in John chapter 4, Jesus and his, and his disciples are basically, they're walking from A to B, and it's a long walk. And, um, and it's, it's hot, dry, and, and dusty, and thirsty, and the aircon of the car's broken down, all that sort of stuff. So they've stopped. They've stopped somewhere, and the disciples have run down to Macca's. Literally, they've gone off to get food. And, and Jesus is sort of left by himself, just hanging around a well and he's hot, he's hot, tired, and thirsty, and the guys are going to get food, and he's just there by himself. And a woman walks up to him, and she, she starts to draw water from the well, and he, he, her and Jesus end up having this little bit of a chat. And as you read through the the testimony in the, in the Bible, you'll see that they don't actually have some great big in-depth conversation. It's a very brief interaction with, with realistically a handful of sentences that take, that, that, that exchange. And and not going into what they talked about, that's not relevant for tonight. But nonetheless, they have a very short interaction. Perhaps, you can't tell from the text, but you know, maybe less than 10 minutes. So this lady has come to the well. This guy is leaning on the well, just hanging out, waiting for the guys to bring back food. They've had a bit of a chat. She's realized, it because he's told her that you know he's Jesus, and she would have heard some rumors, just like everyone else around the area, they've heard some rumors. And, um, and, and it has a bit of a conversation. And, and she gets actually deeply impacted. She makes a comment about her life. He corrects her and says, well, no, that's not really true. What's happened is this. And, she, some, and she's gone, wow, that's, um, how'd you know that? Like, so, so they've had this little interaction. She has then gone away. Back to her village or her town. I mean, that's why she's gone to the well to gather water, to draw water, and take it back home to wash clothes, feed the kids, do whatever you do with water. And um, and she's gone back to the town. And when she gets back into the town, she's saying to everyone, "Hey, God, you, this is guy, this is." bloke out of the well he's just told me everything about my life now that's actually not true when you read the story that's actually a lie that's a serious exaggeration but nonetheless somehow she's all excited about this come on you gotta go see him he's crazy and he's amazing he's like wow but which when you read that's actually what she did but if you go back then and look at the little interaction you say, that's not what happened your widow that didn't go like that it's not even in my bible maybe it's yeah, I mean if you read it in the amplified Bible you'd get a few more words and a little bit longer discourse, but that's actually not what went on, but nonetheless so something has happened in her heart in her spirit because she's just met Jesus she doesn't know the significance of that yet, but she's just met Jesus right and I, I really and then and then as you read on towards the end of, the end of chapter four you know she truly is running around the town come on there's this guy out of the well you just and she's just talking to everyone and I'm and, and then she's obviously got enough enthusiasm or passion or whatever about it that, that basically you read on and it, it says that the whole town, maybe there's only five people in the town, maybe it was really tiny, just her family, but the whole town goes out to see Jesus at the well. Think about that. That's just stupid. And that's just stupid. I mean, you, you look at it and you, you read it and you think, what on earth... Did she say? She didn't know anything. She's met Jesus once for 10 minutes had a very shallow conversation, but she's run off and got this great big exaggerated concept and run around telling people, there's this guy out at the well. And you can imagine sitting there, we'll say, what what did he do? Well, he just told me everything. How did he do that? Well, I don't know. He just, you've got to come and see. And I'm thinking she must have sounded like a raving lunatic. (laughs) Because what on earth does she know? But nonetheless, the entire town, goes out to the well with this crazy woman. Maybe she just didn't shut up. She just wasn't going to stop. And so they all thought, oh, well, stuff it. Let's just, come on! And let's just go over there and then we can be done with this. I don't know. But they all go out and they all meet Jesus. And, um, and Jesus must have talked to them a little bit. Again, the, the passage doesn't go into the details. He, it, doesn't, it doesn't read like he had some amazing sermon and that everyone got healed and demons cast out. It really, it's quite boring, really. They all went out and they met Jesus. You know, it's all quite ho-hum. And then, the, and then they begin to talk to the lady and it's like they're having again this aha moment with something that reads like it's pretty much a non-event and they say oh now we know, Now we we don't believe now because of what you said, we believe now because we've seen him for ourselves and it's like this whole thing is happening and there's no details, there's, there's no amazing miracles, there's no anything going on but it, it, all these incredible things are happening apparently the lady's been sort of gobsmacked and in awe of this 10 minute encounter with Jesus, now the whole town comes out and they're all enraptured with Jesus as well. And now they're really glad that this crazy woman dragged them out there. But now they're not out there because I heard they're out there and they've seen him and it's like, wow, but nothing's actually happened. Point. You have no idea what Jesus could do if you just give him the smallest amount of your life. No idea. This crazy woman has 10 minutes with Jesus, goes back, talks like a lunatic in the town, and every single person comes out. So we're, we're talking, this, if, in, if we put that in the modern-day church setting, this woman, for surely she's got to be gifted, talented, called, must have gone to Bible college. Must have. Had to have. But she hasn't. She's had the briefest encounter in a genuine, real way with Jesus It has changed her life in a way that it must have been almost impossible for her to articulate. She's taken the pathetic amount that she knows because what on earth does she know after 10 minutes with Jesus? Nothing. We're talking like just dumb as mud. She knows nothing. She hasn't got a theology. She hasn't got a religious background. She hasn't got a Bible. She's not filled with the Holy Ghost. She hasn't got a good-looking missionary to help her out. She's got nothing. Nothing. But her life has been impacted and changed. And in whatever, however, I don't know, Again, you have no idea. I don't know how far away the town was, how long it took her to get back with all the people. Let's give it a day. I don't know. They're all walking in them days. Let's give it a day. And in in such a a, a short, shallow encounter, she has gone out and become an instrument of salvation for an entire town. So if God can do that with her in that instance, What could he do with you when week after week you're in church, you're hearing good teaching, you're in youth group, you've got Bibles in your bedroom, you've got access to the internet, you can search and Google any Christian subject, you can download, you you might never have Bill Johnson come to your church, but you can watch every one of his sermons on YouTube. So what on earth could God do with you? Answer that. The facts are you can't answer that because it could be phenomenal. Amen? It could be. Now... So, so that, that has actually happened there and then in the Bible, right there. That's, a, that's, that's it. That's real deal. But sometimes we say, "Oh, yeah, but that's the Bible and it's like it's all perfect and Jesus is sinless, and those things don't happen today, and that'll never happen to me. We'll grow up and get a life. <laughs> they, they won't if you have that attitude, and it's, this is not just a book. This is, the, this is living power. This is the Word of God. This is, you know, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. It became flesh, man. With the, you, can, you can barely not disentangle this book from Jesus. So if it happens here, I can guarantee you it can happen here. If it happens here, it's going to happen in your world. And you have no idea. You have no idea what might just be around the corner in your Christian experience. So you need to just, as I said this morning, you just need to grab on to Jesus, even if not every other kid's doing it, even if it, you know, sometimes whatever, kids at school work, give you a bit of grief, stuff them. You need to grab on because you have no idea what God might just be able to do with you. And those that don't encourage you in that direction, other, you know, the whole peer group thing, those that don't encourage you in that direction, guess what? They are missing out. And might there's aspects of that external world that, you know, look good, the party and the friends, the drugs, the alcohol, the puke and the pregnancy. Oh yeah, that just sounds so, so much fun. But guess what? They're missing out. They're missing out. They have no idea of the potential that is locked up in them, and all it needs is the briefest encounter with Jesus to go boom and explode stuff. i to give you an example out of my own life. An example out of my life, real life, real time, non-exaggeration, facts out of my own life. So I am weird. There's definitely no doubt about that. And um, whatever, whatever happens in our ministry... I've started it. We don't pay people to work for us. That's rubbish. I start stuff. I, there's nothing that any one of my current leaders in the Philippines do now that I have not done and do not do. Ever. When it comes to starting the, the ministry in Bezeko, which is our, our main large slum, I started that by myself. With nothing. And, and the, going into new areas, opening up new slums, I, I do that. We've been running our ministry for 14 years. Theoretically, I'm senior pastor and CEO and missions founder and all that sort of stuff. And realistically, you would think I could just sit my butt on a a desk and, and drink coffee and eat chocolate and play with computers and answer emails and just look important. But that would bore the daylights out of me. Bore the daylights out of me. So the things that I was doing 14 years ago, I'm still doing now. So this example is that we're about to break open a brand new slum. We're to start going in there for the first time. And it's a, it's a, a bad, bad, bad slum. And I'd seen the slum from the outside a number of years ago. And I was with a, um, a, a group of YWAM missionaries. And they had, I wouldn't have even noticed this slum, but we were driving past it in a vehicle. And one of these YWAM people said, oh, that's, over there, that's, uh, that's Don Bosco. He's don't ever go in there. That's bad. Like, that's literally what this person said. And my, my personality type, if you tell me I shouldn't do something, <laughs> I'm instantly thinking, stuff that. I'm going to I'm be in there one day. I'm going. Just stop the van. I'm getting out. Like, And, and that was truly how, the first time I heard of this slum. And, and it, we just had to wait for sort of the right time for other things to sort of fall into place before I could get in to this place where you shouldn't go, and it's a horrible, horrible slum. Horrible slum. Uh, I won't even bother going into the describing of it. It's just—it's impossible to describe. It's uh, worse. I don't. I've lived in Asia for 14 years. I've lived in third world slums for 14 years. I—my mind cannot conceive that I will ever find a worse place on the planet than this particular slum. I, it might be there, out there somewhere, maybe, maybe God will dump me in one, but my mind can't. This is that bad. Uh, violent, aggressive people, uh, no law, just drugs, crime, guns, knives, it's a really bad place. And that's just so good and so much fun. And So it's time, I've got a green light in my heart from God, it's, try, it's time to start in this slum, Don Bosco, so... It's dangerous, potentially, there's, there's, to my knowledge, no church, no Christian work in there, uh, 50,000 people in this slum, so it's up to me, it's my job, right? It's my job, it's my job, you weren't there, so it's got to be my job. So I, I go in there, I remember the first day, i gone in there for the first day, by myself. I haven't ridden my motorbike there because there's nowhere safe to park it. I didn't have my watch on. I don't have a wallet in my pocket. I didn't take my phone. Uh, I've got enough transport money to get me there, a few coins in my pocket to get me home. Because if if I take anything in there, I know from history and experience that someone's just going to try to rob me and then that's going to go really bad for them. So let's not do that. You know, keep them safe. Let's not do that. So I haven't taken anything in there at all. And I'm I'm walking around in this slum and I don't belong. I'm I'm white and I'm good looking and everyone else is Filipino and ugly. And I don't belong in there. (laughs) They're not ugly people, not all of them. (laughs) I just don't belong in there. I stand out like the proverbial sore thumb. And, uh, and I've just got these little Tagalog, which is the national language, tracks about Jesus. And I'm just walking along, and I'm just handing out these tracks and telling people about Jesus a little bit with the Tagalog I've got and a bit of English. And um, this slum is a is double-story building, so it's real, really an urban slum. And in the downstairs sections, there's, there's zero light. It's just black. And I've gone into this building, and... Um, It it turns out, some of these things in this story I didn't know until the next few weeks, but I have to package it together, otherwise it doesn't make sense. It turns out that all the buildings are numbered, and there's 33 buildings on this one block, and they're all double-storey buildings. And it turns out that the very first building I walked into unknowingly was building number 13, which is unlucky for some. This is not unlucky for me. And it wasn't unlucky for them, but I didn't know that. So I've stepped in to the downstairs section of building 13, and seriously, it's so dark. You've got to walk in a little bit, and you've got to stand there, and you've got to just give you your eyes a few seconds to adjust to the, to the minimum lighting standards that are there so that you can begin to see the shadows and the shades and what's going on. And, and this is, see, so the point of this story is you have no idea what God is about to do. No idea, but if you're not with him, you'll never know. And I've walked into that slum alone, but I'm actually never alone. I've got this dirty great God with me. I am never alone. So me and Jesus have walked into this slum. Stepped into building 13, let my eyes adjust. Black. And um, just real horrible slum. Giving out my little tracks, talking about Jesus, um, trying to get conversations going. But no, I was really interested in talking to him because it's the very first day they've ever seen me and you know, I'm just weird and I shouldn't be there. And whatever. And then out of the darkness comes this, comes this lady and she's got a little bit better English than, than others. And even though I can speak Go like, Well, I still prefer to speak in English. Um, so this lady comes out of the darkness and she's asking me why I'm there and what I'm doing. And I'm talking about Jesus and I'm showing her these tracks. And we're going to come in here, we're going to heal the sick and cast out demons. And that's why we're here. And so we chat. And then she said, Would you come and pray for my husband? He's really sick. Yes, of course I will. So she sort of drags me off a few meters over here. It's just black in there, eh? And I step into this, into this tiny little toilet sized house. And, and there's a guy lying on the floor, this skinny sort of waif, malnourished human being, and um, he's, he's pretty much butt naked, he, he's just sort of got a, a towel over him, he's got some jocks on but they're barely holding together sort of thing, and, and he's lying there on the floor in this little sort of big bathroom sort of area, and he's, he's just sort of, he's not Convulsing, you know, when people have a convulsion, like a fit, like it's a whole body thrown around and stuff. His his muscles are spasming, every major muscle on his on his body. It's doing its own thing, like it's all disconnected and uncoordinated. It just looks weird, and I've never seen it before. And uh, she starts chatting to me, and um, and then she takes off the towel, and he's got this tube, literally this tube, this this clear tube coming out of his belly button. That's got um, bandages and, and stuff all around him, and she begins to tell me so this was, I think it was about two thousand and fifteen or something. oh no it was, must be th- end of two thousand and fourteen end of two thousand and fourteen. She begins telling me this story that he got really sick at the start of two thousand and thirteen they didn 't have enough money for anything, but they 've got him into a hospital, and so an operation has partially been started and this tube and these bandages, which are almost skin colored I have been, this tube has been coming out of him since that day and the bandages have been on since that day and the, the operation was never completed because it didn't have any cash. So he has lay there in that, that dank, dark, black, rat-infested crap hole for the best part of two years, dying. And the convulsion, the spasming that his body is doing is is like that toxic shock stuff that's starting to set in because he's just got infection from one end of him to the other. And he's just sweating profusely and is stuffed, you know, like he's really, really, really in a bad way. And there's only me and Jesus there. We're the only ones there. And I'm not qualified to deal with that, but Jesus is qualified to deal with that so i pray for him really simple just in the name of jesus we just rebuke this just in the name of jesus be healed all good get him and nothing happened at all still spasming sweating profusely just twitching everywhere and then me and the wife we just see just lying over there and we just start having a chat again and looking at him nothing's happening and i don't to do that again in jesus name we just Jesus name, fix him now and uh it's sort of not working. It's like a flat battery type situation, you know, bad connection. Not happening. It happens, you know, the internet fails. Things go slow. So there's nothing happening. And I um, sit there for another five, ten minutes looking at him, expecting something to happen, you know, die or do something. I don't know, just do something. And nothing at all happened. And so then I'm looking at his, at his wife and I'm saying, well, you know, I've, I've done it twice. It didn't seem to work. What, what do you want to do? What would you like to do? And she said, well, you know, I'd really, I'd really like to take him to the hospital. I said, but you haven't got any money. yeah. she I'd really like to take him to the hospital. So, oh, well, here you go, you know. Just, um and she, I, I talked to her after this, like weeks after this. Uh, she, I, I pulled like this pathetic amount of money out of my pocket, which is everything I have, which she doesn't believe that's everything I have because she has no reason to believe that. I'm white. Every white person is filthy rich in the Filipino eyes. So I've, I've pulled out this pathetic amount of money. But I know, so that's my transport money home. So I know that's enough to transport him to the hospital because the hospital is not as far as my home, Besecco. So I've said, well, um, you really want to go to the hospital? There's another one there. There you go. Take him. And she's looked at me like I'm stupid. But nonetheless, she's got the money now. She can actually, if that's what she really wants to do, she can take him to the hospital. I haven't got any money left. And um. So so that's it. I can't do anymore. I've I've done the prayer thing twice. That didn't work today. And I've given her all the money I have. And I can't give her my phone, my watch, nothing. I didn't have any of that stuff. I'm, I'm done there. Like, I'm, I'm finished. So there you go. Uh, God bless you. Hope it works out well. And, and I wander off into the darkness, giving out my silly little tracks and talking to more people about Jesus. Because that's what I'm there to do. And, uh, and, but one, one thing I did say to her, I said, you take, if you, there you go, take me to hospital and I think it was a Saturday or something, I was there, and I said, I'll be back on Wednesday, because I was at that stage, we'd literally, it's the first day I've been in there, and I'm committing every Saturday morning and every Wednesday morning for me going in and starting this new work and this new slump, so I tell her, I'll be back on, on Wednesday, just, I'll, I'll come and check out when, see how he is, eh? And she doesn't believe that, because she's never seen a white person in there before. She doesn't think I'm coming back. She's probably thinking I'm stupid, because I've just given her a few coins, but, so off I go, I do what I do. And it comes to Wednesday, and I come back, the first thing I do is go, is go to Building 13, find this woman and her husband and see what happened and then I get this story that is just phenomenal so I have left she has wiped him down got all the sweat off him put some clothes on that don't reveal everything she's she's dressed him she's got people in the slum and around her to pick him up and carry him out onto the road and they put him into local public transport and she's taken him to the local hospital where you would not put your dog it's a horrible place she's taken him to the local public hospital Somewhere, I never really was able to work out when this happened, but somewhere between me leaving and her getting him to the public hospital, he actually died. So in transit, somehow, he actually died. And when they carried him into the emergency room of the hospital, he was officially a dead person. And two doctors have done the pulse and checked things and, and he is actually verifiably dead according to two doctors who do occasionally know what they're talking about when they're looking at a dead person. And two doctors are dead, he's dead. And so they've actually put him on a, like a stainless steel gurney and they've just pushed him over in the corner there and now this has caused the wife a problem. If he he was dead in the slum, they just throw him in the river or get rid of the body, do whatever they want to do. But he's dead in the hospital now. And even though the hospital has not done anything to treat him and they didn't do anything to kill him, there is now processes in place and there's other bodies involved. And she actually has a bill to pay, but she doesn't have any money. So I've complicated the I thought I was helping out, being nice, but I've really messed this up. I've prayed for him. He's died. I've given her a few coins. He's now in a hospital, and she got a bill for a few thousand pesos. So I've sort of, thank you, Jesus. That was just such a good day, wasn't it? Really messed that one up. So he's over there in the corner, dead, and she's now trying to discussed with doctors and nurses and trying to see if there's any social service money available. She's trying to sort out this issue now of money to deal with a dead body in a public hospital, right? That takes hours to to do those things in Manila. Now, I wasn't physically there in the hospital, so I can only go off her words. Apparently, two and a half hours later, He just sat up, looked around, and flopped back down (laughs) like a fish or something. You know, you poke a nerve, you know, a frog's leg. (laughs) He has just sat up, looked around. And pop back down. And so, of course, people see that. He's in a hospital. There's nurses and there's other patients. And imagine that. You would have crapped yourself. There's a dead man over there. And all of a sudden, <laughs> he's just sat up. It's like, a, it's like a Happy Halloween movie or something. It just doesn't happen, does it? And so he's dead, but he's actually come back to life. And so our doctors have gone over. And it's like, who said he was dead? What did you do? And he do a pulse. And he's alive. You know, he's alive. He's come back to life. And so she's telling me this story, and so then and then they're all amazed and they're all apologetic because of whatever, some wrong diagnosis, the other doctor was an idiot, but he's really alive. But and so they they take him upstairs and they start doing tests on him because they, now they want to try and find out what did he die of and how did he come back to life. And so I've gone back into there and she's telling me this story and I'm like, you are serious, you are kidding. So it's not that praying twice didn't work. It's just like there was this lag in the internet connection. There was a time deficiency and we've done it and we've sort of, we've, we've sort of put the power in and it's just taken a while to kick into gear somehow. I don't know why. And, and so he's come back to life. And so you, I had no idea that day that's what God was going to do. I actually thought nothing at all had worked. Totally missed it. Prayed twice in Jesus' name. Boom. Come on. Get up. Get up. Get up. It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. And, but about me, I don't count that as a failure. I don't care. Like I'm actually not there to raise the dead. I'm there to preach the gospel and to tell people about Jesus. It just so happens that someone got raised from the dead on the day. Thank you, Jesus. Have a little clap, do a dance. But it's not about that. It's about you don't know, you have no idea what Jesus might be just about to do. But if you're not following him, I can guarantee you this, nothing will happen. Nothing. So now the story doesn't stop there. Number one, that's a, that's a good story already. We're, we're, having, we're having a happy day there on Wednesday. Wednesday is a good day. Uh, Saturday was an average day. Wednesday's a good day. And so then I'm into a routine now. I'm going back into that slum every Wednesday, every Saturday, every Wednesday, every Saturday. Blah, blah, blah. And every time, the first place I do is go into Building 13 because Building 13 is now sort of a buzz. It's an easy place to preach the gospel. It's an easy place to lead people to Jesus because everyone knows that he died and he's now alive. And then over the next few weeks, he starts to get stronger and he start, he's out of hospital and they didn't end up having any bill whatsoever because the doctors couldn't find anything wrong with him and they didn't do anything. And, and by the way, you can meet this guy today. And he's still got the tube in his stomach. It's sort of like you have earrings, nose rings, pier- piercings, over tattoo. He has a tube. So it's is a sort of body ornament. I, I actually think it'd be quite convenient. Can you imagine getting home, really stuffed, can't be bothered eating, lie down, and your wife just puree something and pour it in? <laughs> convenient. It could, be, it could be usage for that. So he's actually still got the tube in even today. Still got the tube, and he shows people. He's, And um, so he starts to get stronger and he starts to get better. And then because he's been sick for two years, the wife used to have a job, but she's quit that job so that she can stay home and look after her her husband who's really sick and dying. They have one by one began to pull their older children out of school because they can't afford to have them in school and send them to work to provide money to buy food so that the family can live. So him dying slowly and gradually was very inconsiderate. It's put a lot of pressure on the family. He's now starting to get better, healthy and strong. And so I go in there on one Saturday or Wednesday, whatever, and I said, "Well, will talk to the wife. And he's doing well, is It's all going good, and Jesus is alive. I said, well, you need to get a job. And she says, well, I haven't worked for nearly two years. I haven't got any qualification. I said, done does Let's just pray. Well, Jesus, we thank you for a job. Boom. Thank you. He did the dead thing so you can get your job, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and leave it at that. And, uh, and then go back in the next whatever, Wednesday or Tuesday, Wednesday or Saturday, whenever, and she comes bounding out. She's a chubby lady. She comes sort of bounding out of, of her little house room. And she says, guess what, guess what? I've got a job. I've got a job. And she begins to tell me that in a, in a slum just down the road, a, a Korean group of missionaries have gone in and they've built a school and they've, they've asked her to come in and just do some sort of basic caring, teaching, training, non-formal education with the kids. And she's got three days a week. And she's just over the moon, so excited. Husbands, come back from the dead. She's now got a job for three days. And I'm sort of looking at her and I'm thinking, oh, three days, that's crap, eh? Is that enough? Three days, is that enough? And she's just over the moon because she's got a job. I said, no, you can't. Three days is not enough. That's, let's not have that. Let's go again. Jesus, we thank you for a better job. Let's just, Jesus, name. three days is good. But that's, you can't do that. You haven't worked and had money coming in for two years, three days. so that sucks. No point in that. So I come back the next time, and the Korean missionaries have made it five days. Five days. So she's now working five days a week, Monday to Friday, in a school. She has no teaching qualifications. She has no references or anything like that. And she's working with a Christian organisation that are encouraging her, talking about Jesus, blah, 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 blah. All just good. So, so I have walked in there one day to just preach the gospel. I have no idea that God is about to pick this family up by the scruff of the neck, shake the daylights out of them and just turn their lives upside down in a good way. And then about, about six... Seven, eight weeks in, she's got a job five days a week. Hubby's getting fit and healthy and walking around and, and getting, getting all. Rec- one day, and I just looked at him, and I just thought to myself, you should be working your lazy so-and-so. You can't be sitting at home now. You just got, you got raised from the dead. You're alive. You're happy. You look like you're okay. Your arms and limbs work. You need to get a job. And he says, well, I, I was dead. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a job. <laughs> well, okay, you were dead, but you're alive now. You need to get a job. You can't sit at home. You're the man of the house. You can't sit at home just being lazy and let your wife work. You need to go and get a job. Let's pray for you. Boom, pray for him. Jesus, we need a job now. Boom, Jesus, need a job. Go back in there the next couple of days, and what's he doing? He's now maintenance man at the school. He's maintenance man at school, four days a week. And I don't know whether he's handy. I don't know if he can fix stuff. I don't know. Jesus fixed him, so maybe he's now got the ability to fix other things. And so, and so then step by step over the next few months, the kids get back in school because they've got an income coming in. So it's a crazy story. The point of it is... If I hadn't gone in there that day following Jesus, it wouldn't have happened. And it's got nothing to do with me. Like it's got nothing to do with my great giftings, callings or abilities or the fact that I look so good and I'm so confident. It's got nothing to do with any of those things. That's actually all irrelevant. It's all irrelevant. That happened because I followed Jesus. And it actually happened. So if you can disentangle yourself from what you would like to happen and from what you would prefer to happen and from what other people can say to you will or won't happen, if you can disentangle yourselves from those thoughts and those expectations and if you can just lock down your life now, I don't know what's going to happen. Just admit that. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what Jesus is going to do. If you can just wipe all that rubbish out, which can become a distraction... Because God might not be wanting to do those things that you're thinking about. If you can just get rid of that and just make the decision, you know what I'm going to do? Don't really get it. Not really sure how it's going to work. It's been a bumpy ride so far. But I'm just going to grab onto Jesus. One thing I'm not going to do, I am not going to let go. I don't care what my friends do. I don't care what the rest of the people in John chapter 6 did. That's not my issue. I can't choose for them. I'm going to grab onto this bloke, Jesus. I'm going to grab onto my Bible. I'm going to grab onto prayer. I'm going to worship where no one else is. I'm just going to do, I I don't actually care what the whole world does. It's of no concern to me. I am going to do this. And if you don't want to, you're bad. You're bad. I will not be missing out, and you will. And when God is moving powerfully through my life, and you look at me and you're in awe, well, it's because I made a decision that you didn't. So suck it up, get over it, and learn from me. Do what I did. Grab Jesus and just hold on. Because you have no idea. You have no idea. that It's so true, because I am... I mean, I'm I'm obviously confident and and I'm probably a little bit arrogant and got a decent ego. Uh, But those things aren't necessarily positives. Uh, But I'm actually quite an ordinary person. I'm actually quite ordinary. I can't even grow hair. But I really do have an extraordinary friend and his name is Jesus. Jesus. And all of the things that I can't do, he seems to be able to do with his eyes shut and walking backwards. And, and I truly, I can't, I would like to take claim and, 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 and say that I've done a lot of things. It would be great. But I've really done one thing really well. I have grabbed on to Jesus. It's pretty much the only thing I'm qualified for. Actually, I'm useless for everything else. But I, I can actually... I can actually do that really good. And, and even though circumstances, situation, friends, whatnot, it may intentionally or unintentionally try to pull me away from Jesus, they actually haven't been successful because I can't do anything well, but I do that really well. Really well. And I don't need to actually focus on all the other things that I don't do well. I just need to keep doing this because I'm, I'm finding out that that works really good as in not just a little bit good as in like really good and when i say to you i'm never alone that's because i'm never alone i am never alone and he is a really big god i mean we're big whatever your concept of big is is small compared to jesus like he's actually really big as in big the whole universe and stuff it's like it's like there and he goes it's gone I mean he's just and and then the crazy thing is these are the confusing things he's like that incomprehensibly big like (laughs) how big is big and yet all of that bigness can fit in this pathetic tiny little heart so realistically the heart your heart is the biggest thing in the universe because it can contain an uncontainable God so You are as amazing as He is in you. Yeah? So you don't have to be special in any other way. You can be retarded and backward and have fingers that don't work and whatever fail at school. Not that you should. You should be studying hard, doing your best. But you could be useless in life, full stop. But if you are good at holding on to Jesus, just look out, world. Just look out, world. I didn't get saved when I was a young person. I got saved later on in life when I'd screwed a whole heap of stuff up and I had stuff to unlearn and I had baggage to chop off. Just don't do that. Don't do that. You're here now. You're here now. Get, get a hold of him now. I wished I'd got saved in my teenage years because I think, wow, well, in, in, I've, been, I've been saved for 20 years and in the last 14 years, God has done this. But there is part of me that thinks, wow, if I'd have been serious about Jesus when I was 10, 13, 14, 15, 20, whoa, we wouldn't have been playing catch-up now. We just wouldn't have been doing it. And, and so that's, the, the, the message is really simple tonight. You know, It's a follow-on from this morning. You have no idea what God's about to do. He may have done nothing amazing so far, or at least that's what you think. But you have actually no idea what tomorrow could bring. When you just make that silly, stupid thing, a friend's sick. Well, can I pray for you? I've never done it before. Can I pray for? You? I don't know if it even works. But can I just pray for you? Can I pray for you now? I'll go home and pray for you. It won't be embarrassing. Jesus name, and bang, God hits someone, a friend in in their bedroom or at school, and 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 they, they whatever a crutch falls off or, you know, some twitch they had disappears. You just you have no idea. Like, you have no idea, and I uh, so I just want to encourage you. Just just become good at. I mean, you need to study. You need to do all the practical things in life, but just be. Become really good at that. Just become really good at that. Uh, for, to my knowledge, it's your second youth meeting for the year. So let's, let's start the year by just, okay, we've got a lot of things to do. There's program, there's games, there's activity, there's fun. But in the midst of all of that, just do that. Just do that. You know, just, do that. You know, you know, just do that. Just do that. Just hold on to Jesus and, uh, and just wait and see what's going to happen. I'm going to hand it over to you. Oh, I'm done.